I was actually a reluctant entrepreneur, I'll add that. I was afraid to leave the comfort of a check and like the things that you know you're going to get to the unknown of entrepreneurship. Yes. And that probably holds a lot of people back. Yes. So as part of that, I was like, well, I'll stick my foot over here, but I'll also keep my foot here just to kind of like feel like it take baby steps to get to the entrepreneurial journey. So I did that. And it's kind of interesting because they were also, we were seeing how PR was evolving and including, you know, bloggers were coming into play, social, all that was still so fairly new. So really being at the forefront of that with Hispanicize, that kind of led us to create, in addition to the event, an influencer network. Hello, Money Movers. We have a very special episode today with a legend in media tech and publications for many years known around the world. And here from Texas, yes. which you haven't been back in Texas for a while, right? So you haven't like been to Houston your homecoming since 2020. I, I always love, regard you know, Texans. Regardless of where we go, we're always Texan. So <laughs> the legendary Angela Sustaita Ruiz. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's so great to be here and oh, in my home my state of all places. I have just read and heard so many incredible things about you. So excited that you're here. Tell us about your journey and how everything got started for you. Well, I'm a native from Waco, Texas. I grew up there, Mexican-American family. My grandfather's born in Austin, so deep Texas roots. My family's been here over 150 years. Grew up in Waco, very different. You know, I was the little dark-skinned girl that on the white soccer team, you know. So, you know, kind of faced the things that as a Mexican-American girl in the 70s would face. I couldn't go into friends' houses because I was a wet back. I had rocks thrown at me and my grandmother when we'd go for a walk because she was too dark. So I experienced all of those things. And I think, you know, not I look back on them now and they really helped me to be more resilient. And I think that's one of the things that sometimes, you know, we may be going through challenges in life, but I think ultimately that leads us to be more resilient to cope with what we need to as adults. And then especially as entrepreneurs, it takes a special level of resilience to be successful in whatever it is that you put your mind to. So grew up in Waco, went to Baylor. I studied Latin American studies because somehow in my head, I was like, I'm going to be in foreign service and I'm going to be, you know, traveling the world and doing these things. But life always has other plans. <laughs> so that led me to, you know, I, I didn't do foreign service. I went to Thailand, taught English to kind of get myself together. You know, when I was young in my early 20s, I was like, why don't I have everything planned out yet? I think that's one of the things I learned also getting older. And I tell my daughters and, and young girls, you know, don't feel like you have to have everything planned out and thought out perfectly when you're young. You find your journey as you meet people and you have experiences. So just go through life and, and those, you know, learning as much as you can, because ultimately you're going to get where you're supposed to be and where you want to be. Yes. So I think that's one of the, the things I always tell young girls is don't get overwhelmed with, oh, why haven't I graduated? yet maybe or why don't I have a house yet why have I not I'm not married yet just go on your own time and just you know have fun along the way you know I think right. is what's key so after Thailand I uh, ended up working in Dallas at Cinemark in the international corporate offices so I would travel to Latin America and uh, work in operations primarily but I kind of started touching marketing so I did that for a while and then ultimately ended up in New York at Edelman Public Relations which is a global public relations firm and you know, there it was a very different living in New York from Texas, you know, being a Texas girl. But it was really cool. It was a great opportunity to network with all kinds of, of people from all across the country, worked on really 
cool campaigns like Unilever, Kraft. I launched, uh, Dalia did a global, multi-year global partnership with Hershey's and I launched that in Times Square. So things I never thought oh, I'd, wow. I mean, it was cool. Yeah. But I would never have had that in my head being a young girl in Waco, <laughs> you know? That was not even anything that popped in. So I took a chance. I was, I actually, they didn't have a job for me, that Edelman, when that first job. They, uh, a friend of mine was working there when I, called, they said, you know, there's not really any jobs available right now. I said, well, that's okay. I understand. I'm going to be in New York anyway. So I would love to come in and meet you. So they're like, okay. So I went in and met them. Like this is two weeks later and I left with a job offer. <laughs> so yes. it's just like they, they went from like, yeah, we don't have anything to now. What do you want to do? Yeah, when do you want to start? <laughs> so that's, that's one other thing. You don't need to be overly aggressive about don't take no for an answer, but you never know. It doesn't hurt to ask. And it doesn't her, you know, networking and building those personal relationships, I think is so key to help you find your journey and find the right place for you, you know? Yes. So I, that's something else I like telling people is just, you know, you don't always, no doesn't always mean no in those situations. <laughs> and during that 2008, nine timing is when you started hearing about bloggers. So I was, we were starting Hispanicized, but I was still at Edelman because sometimes entrepreneurs, you're like trying, I was actually a reluctant entrepreneur. I'll add that. I was afraid to leave the comfort of a check and like those things that you're, you know, you're going to get to mm -hmm. the unknown of entrepreneurship. Yes. And that probably holds a lot of people back. Yes. So as part of that, I was like, well, I'll stick my foot over here, but I'll also keep my foot here just to kind of like feel like it's take baby steps to get to the entrepreneurial journey. So I did that. And it's kind of interesting because at Edelman, I start, they were also, we were seeing how PR was evolving. And include, you know, bloggers were coming into play, social, all that was still so fairly new. So really being at the forefront of that with Hispanicize, that kind of led us to create, in addition to the event, an influencer network. So being able to have this event that was like a mini South by, but for Latino, but then infusing it with influencers. So they would go and then they would do branded campaigns with different sponsor partners. And it really evolved over 10 years from the influencer network, we made some acquisitions of some online platforms, Hispanic Kitchen and some of the others. And we did that for about 10 years. And it was amazing. It was great really seeing the space evolve. And really, by doing that, bringing the brands and the influencers together in that unique setting really paved a way for a lot of them that I still see now. And I'm so proud because we are a part of their journey. <laughs> Who are some of those people? Spoiled Latina is here. Yeah. There's Mama Contemporanea out of Dallas. There's more, I could go on and on. But just seeing them and, and hearing from them that we gave them the opportunity because we provided that connection that a lot of time people didn't have at the time. They didn't have those relationships with brands. And I think that's so important that whenever we have an opportunity to make those introductions, I love connecting people. And um, I think it's very natural from my upbringing. But um, that's something that I think is so important for our community to do to foster that and see it helps all of us grow and get to where we're supposed to be and collectively help our community uplift us all together. So we did this uh, for 10 years. And in 2020, year are we in now? 2022, there was an acquisition of Hispanicize and NGL was acquired by Go Digital, which had owned Me Too. So John Leizum was part of that company, he was part of that acquisition, and, uh, you know, they acquired the company. And so we are not, we phased out of that. And it was time to move on. Like there are moments, I love hearing the stories of Hispanicize, and that may get us to do something else from storytelling perspective. But, you know, there are times in your journey, sometimes people 
think maybe doors close on them or an opportunity was taken away or whatever. Sometimes it's time to move on. For us, it was time yeah, to move on. It but is. I, I remind people, look at it as an opportunity to go do something new. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, for us, we we knew probably that we either would have changed to Spanicize the name, kind of like you have to always Rebranded. adapt, rebrand. But I remind people that that there's opportunities in your life for you to take different paths. And so that's how we ended up with Nuestro Stories. It was a very natural transition to all the work we've been doing in the community because when we created Hispanicize, it was really to elevate our community by giving Latinos a platform to share their stories because we know that the stories the media has typically told are not so great. Yes, they portray us in a completely different light. Yes. Always in stereotypical roles. And that's amazing. That's what we wanted to get away from. And so now through Nuestro Stories, you know, there's a lot of hidden origin stories of all of our collective stories through history. It could be the origins of food, the origins of fashion. So really leveraging our platform, Nuestro Stories, to produce snackable content that tells these stories. Because we have a whole new generation, you know, that's coming into play. And we don't want any of this to be lost, you know. Mm-hmm. on them and simultaneously I think sometimes people are concerned about there are groups that want to erase history because they don't agree with it. It's not something that is going to help any of us. So I think really preserving thinking like a, a digital Wikipedia meets a Latino museum. That's how you know we're curating the content. And so with that, while it's an online platform, we know that content needs distribution. So that's what taking all the learnings we've had through Hispanicize, seeing how the digital space has evolved, being there at the forefront of it, using a lot of those learnings to be able to amplify this content. So, you know, we do a campaign with McDonald's for the origin stories of Batman, because did you know that the origin stories of Batman were Latino? No, I didn't. So again, <laughs> most of us didn't know that. No. Wow. So it ties back to Zorro and, you know, all these things. So, you know, we did a program with them for their Spotlight Dorado program, which was to help raise awareness about the lack of representation in Hollywood. So that's an example of, you know, we created the content, but then we leveraged our online tech digital platform or digital distribution to get that content to the people we wanted to be able to connect with. So, and as tech evolves, especially with media, there's going to be so many other cool ways for us to have those touch points and even an educational perspective. How do we bring these stories to life through AR? There's so many cool things now happening that it's going to really open up opportunities for us to get those stories to make us really feel what Ah. the stories are, you know? Yes. So that's what we were looking to do. And, you know, we also early, so we launched Nuestro Stories as a follow to Hispanicize. And then earlier this year in Los Angeles, we launched Nuestro Studios. And that really is um, to help us bring together a collective of art, a community, filmmaking community to work on projects short films, some will be longer films or some in the works already. Obviously, there was a delay because of the strike, but we're excited about telling stories. And they're not all related to history. There are some that are have a positive message and just really unique. Again, portraying our community in a way that is positive and mm-hmm. inspiring for a whole new generation. Oh my gosh. And our kids need it. The next generation needs to see that no possibilities are limitless. You can be the president. You yeah. can be the CEO, the CFO. Anything is possible. And yes. It's time that we tell our stories yes. the right way. Exactly. And I really think that. And again, it's just, an, you know, and through this company, I think it, um, you know, finding ways to uplift and open doors is has been something we've always done and will continue to be. I think that's so key for any entrepreneurs. And I think it's also important to note, because we've been talking about all these great things, how Hispanicize has grown and what we're doing with Nuestra Stories, but it's also 
as an entrepreneur, you know, it's not always like a bed of roses. <laughs> There's also the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. And it takes a lot of tenacity sometimes to be able to stick with something because all kinds of things can come up, you know. And sometimes you may have a great business idea and it doesn't, the timing is off. But that's part of the entrepreneur's journey is that sometimes things don't work. We you did dust yourself off and get right <laughs> yes, back up again. Exactly. It is such a roller coaster ride. It is. It is. <laughs> and you just hold your head up. And there are times I was down. Like we get this, we're people at the end of the day. And I think being able to acknowledge that that's part of the journey and understand when you may need to get help, I think that's important. And I think we as entrepreneurs should talk about that as well and encourage us to have healthy conversations about mental health. Uh, what we did do during that pandemic, during May of 2020, we partnered with uh, the Latina Justice, Monica Ramirez and some of the farm worker justice groups to help raise awareness about the lack of supplies available for farm workers. So we created Altissimo Live. It was uh, May 5th, 2020. And it was May 5th because it was like give five on five because like any donation amount would help. So we created a one day virtual event and it had all the top of the top Latino celebrities. You know, we had some great partners to help bring in all that talent for free to help for a good cause. And it was so beautiful. Like we had Mark Anthony, we had Jennifer Lopez, we had Mana that wrote a special song. Oh, wow. And it was just like so many artists. And it was beautiful, all donating their time and their their talents to a great cause. And so we ultimately helped raise, it was almost $2 million for the farm workers over, not in that one day, but over time. And just raising awareness, using our platforms and our connections and the, you know, the resources we had to help raise awareness about the group that was so overlooked and not talked about. Angela, you and Manny are extraordinary people. We try. So <laughs> selfless and giving and generous and really standing behind things that really matter which is people, people's yes. lives. People do matter. And it's something that, you know, I think as parents, we have four kids and encouraging them to find their own path, but always remember that you're whatever it is, you have a responsibility to lift those up around you. Whatever little, even if something small makes a big difference, right? You don't do like something crazy, but little things that, that we can do to unite our community and, and help open up doors and opportunities for people who may not have Maybe there's someone that doesn't have a family member that knows how to get into corporate America or be an entrepreneur or any of those things. So you open up those doors or opportunities to talk about it. And I think what you're doing is great because that's exactly, you know, you're bringing awareness to so many of the struggles, the ups and downs of entrepreneurship and all the things that I think will help the new generation and other people out there listening, your listeners understand, you know, maybe how to start their journey or continue their journey. So where does this come from? I think earlier you were talking about like your upbringing and can you share a little bit about, you know, where that comes from of always kind of being very active mm -hmm. in the community and... Sure. Well, I think, you know, and this is something as parents that I, now I try to instill, but I grew up, you know, in the 70s in Waco. My dad was a proud Vietnam veteran. And so when he came back, he was very involved in community efforts. So in politics and in, in, in the community specifically at that time to provide resources for Latino businesses. So he started the Centex Hispanic Chamber of Commerce in Waco, Texas. And then from that also TAMAC, which is the Texas Association of Mexican-American Chambers of Commerce. That was in 1975. He was a co founder, along with a lot of other men in the community. And I saw him, I would go to meetings with him. My mom was also 
recruit, he would recruit all the family to help support. It was making enchiladas or enchilada dinners or whatever it was <laughs> to raise funds for a cause. So yep. going to LULAC conventions, all those things I saw. And then in addition to that, my grandparents built the first Latino Methodist church in the Central Texas area that still stands today in Waco, down the street from Magnolia. So I come from a family of builders. And I think that's something that I just have that I was brought up with and then also have in my DNA, you yes, know, and I tell my daughters that, you know, and then, you know, between me and your dad and his and your family on that side, you are from a family of builders and community builders and uniters. So I think that's something that sometimes it's not always easy. It wasn't an, an easy path for me to figure out where I was supposed to be. But where I am now is exactly where you're supposed yes. to be. And that's why I tell people too, again, this goes back to don't think you have to have your entire life figured out when you're young as you, sometimes you try something different because you're like, oh, that doesn't interest me now, but that's okay. You try something, you, again, it's learning along the way as much as you can, building relationships, keeping, maintaining relationships. There's so many people that I've known for 20, 30 years that I continue to work with. Edelman, Edelman worked with us even through Hispanicize the entire time of Hispanicize. Even, I mean, I was long gone because I couldn't manage that too, but I think that's one of the things too is always keeping relationships you know and treating people with respect because that's also your reputation is key wherever you go and it will follow you definitely your roots and your origins is why you are why building up communities is so so much part of of you in your epicenter <laughs> <laughs> every time we bring our children and we're letting them see these are latino professional leaders yes. in our country who are yes. running businesses, who are influencing decisions, moving economies. It's so important for them to see that and see themselves. Yes. And even Hispanicized, though, three older kids, like 15, 19, and 23, they were young during Hispanicized, but they were at a lot of them. <laughs> and there were other influencers, too. We laugh now because, you know, like Spoil Latina that's here, you know, different influencers we see around, like all of their, all of our kids are around the same age. So so some several of them grew up at Hispanic eyes as well, but it's just, so they knew that as young kids, and I think that is important for us to show them opportunities that exist and you know how to behave in business settings. But I think uh, you know that helps them just see what's out there. I mean, yes. they're going to make their own decisions, but they understand that there are a lot of opportunities. Yep, and to always. Dare to dream bigger. Yes, dare right? to dream bigger is, is right. The little one definitely dares to dream. She's going to live in London, supposedly. <laughs> like, you know, but I'm well, like, you'd go and do what you're going to do. She probably gets that from you because you went to Thailand. Maybe, but I'm like, you know, I. But I love that they even say that. And they're, you know, I think this younger generation, they're ex between social media and you know, they're exposed to a lot more than we were when we were younger. Some good, not, some not so great, but they see more opportunity of what career opportunities or places to travel, go to college and I think it's very different. And Sophia was born in Beijing. Oh, okay. She's on assignment in China for five years. Oh my gosh, how cool. In Angola, Africa as well. So she's had an opportunity to live in many different countries. My son too, he can speak Mandarin. That's beautiful. I think that's amazing to give kids our the next generation the tools and insight <laughs> to, to what, what's achievable. Yes. So can you share, what are you dreaming bigger about these days? Well, I'm super excited about like, you know, Nuestra Stories have a lot of interesting projects in the works and um, looking for the, like the Nuestra Studios, I'm super excited about, you know, and really another thing that we're looking to do is the, the there's a whole ed tech component to what we're doing. And I'm, I touched on this briefly earlier and really helping to bring this, these stories to life and, you know, through like, through AR or using it to, through like scanning things and, and seeing like, a, a figure, a historical figure stand up next to you or Frida Kahlo can be 
be talking. I think there's so many cool wow. things that we're going to see and how like technology is going to impact education. So that's why that's I see a longer term play. But I think what we have in front of us with Investor Stories continuing to build out the, that uh, database and then also the Nuestro Studios and some of the work that's going to come out of that is, is super exciting. And I know we talked, you know, we're talking about like we're being real here. Yes. You know, my business partner for all these years has been my husband. And uh, sometimes people are like, well, how does that work? <laughs> And yes, then, <laughs> please do tell. And sometimes it can be great because you have a shared mission often. When you're married, you have a shared mission and goal. And so that, I think, has worked well for us. Not to say that there are not times that we're like, please get out of my house or please go work somewhere else, you know, because you have, you know, sometimes you butt heads. But I think ultimately, if you have the same goal and then you're bringing your family into this, I think it works well. I mean, there are times I think you it's sometimes good to have little other things happening, like, you know, while we focus on Western stories. I'm also, I'm a brain aneurysm survivor. Not many people know that I suffered a brain aneurysm in January 2022. So I also speak out a lot of times about, you know, what are the warning signs? Because, you know, one in three people are at risk of a ruptured brain aneurysm, and they may not even realize it. So I think, you know, finding... What are the warning signs? Well, I was in the middle of a Zoom call. And it was literally, I was in a Zoom call, like many of us are, and a headache came on from the front, and it felt like my my head exploded. It, there was no other headache I'd had in my life that felt like that. The pain started going through my neck. My neck started stiffening. When you have a brain bleed, you have tingling in your brain. It feels like tingling is the best way to describe it. Worst headache of my life. But I didn't know what it was. I didn't even know I was at risk for a brain aneurysm. And then luckily my husband was there. He saw kind of everything happening. It happened very quickly from the headache to the, the neck pain. And then I started feeling like what I knew as stroke sort of symptoms, like my arm started numbing, um, my chest started tightening. And then again, my husband was there and got me to the hospital. Within 20 minutes of the onset of those symptoms, I was getting treatment. Vomiting is also another sign. But you know, that happened in that moment. And looking back, there were signs I should have paid attention to. That's one thing I think as entrepreneurs, we get so busy with working and managing everything that we're doing that we forget to pay attention to our body. So two weeks before that happened, I felt nauseous out of nowhere. There was no reason for me to be nauseous. I dismissed it as working too much. But several months before that, I had a pain behind my right eye. And I was like, oh, I'm working too much. I would try to put an ice pack on it and it nothing would help. But that was a warning sign that I was having pressure between behind my eye. So I brought that up because I think in addition to us working together, something that has helped is we have passion projects of things like that we want to help raise awareness about. And I think that also helps us help the community but then we also have other little outlets. So that's something I do regularly as well. It was just bringing aneurysm awareness month and I'll continue to do. And I think it's important as, as is mental health. That's why I talked about that earlier and why it's important for us to talk openly about it, that it's, it's okay to not be okay. Yes. Thank God that Manny was there and that you are here with us today. And maybe it happened so that you can be that advocate and to share and to ensure that other people don't ignore those signs you know, and help save lives. I do feel like you, there are other survivors. And we, I think when we talk, we're like, we're here for another reason. And I think that's what we talked about community building and mine really is. It's something it's not, you know, I'm going to cry. I don't care. I think I see all these people in these like companies like, oh, I'm here like for the the community. And it's like, you can say that all day long, but what really shows me that you mean is you actually do it. And I don't see that. I don't see the follow through a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So, but anyway, I feel like that's why I am here. It's like, there's more to do. My time is not done. You're extraordinary. Thank you very much. Thank you. 